When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast. Your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Teledabs This Podcast, Emergency Podcast Edition. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Boulay, as always. Talked briefly last episode. Oh, I was like, oh, I don't know if we'll be, end up doing any emergency pods or not for any re-signings or something like that. Well, I think this definitely qualifies because the Avs have made a trade and one that I don't think any of us saw coming. They acquire Alex Georgiev from the New York Rangers in exchange for a third, a fifth, and a third. And by extension, this means that Darcy Kemper will not be returning to the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah, I knew our roster preview was going to be a shit show. I didn't think it would only last what six hours after yeah, we really I, th- think so. I think we we didn't start recording until about nine o'clock my time last night. This didn't even really last 24 hours. Yeah, like, we knew it was gonna be a shit show. We didn't know it was gonna be this much of a I shit mean, show. I mean, we got one thing right, and that that it was gonna be outdated very quickly. It, it outdated very quickly, and we both were very wrong about Darcy Kemper. Um, I, I think, think we were wrong about the contract Kemper yeah. wanted. So first off, I mean, I think when you texted me, I was in a meeting um, and you just said, holy shit. And I was like, oh, God, this is going to be scary. And then I saw it and I my initial thought was, what the fuck? And then I took a step back and I was like, you know what? This is actually probably a very smart move. And I'm just letting the emotions of a Stanley Cup victory blind me from probably the very smart decision that Joe Sackick just made. Yeah, for me, this was essentially just having a flashbang thrown into my room all of a sudden because I was not expecting anything of the sort. I was just chilling, having a pretty decent morning, morning, afternoon, whatever you want to call it and everything. All of a sudden, this pops up on my timeline, and now I'll, 
I am awake. I'm like, what is going on? Georgiev, that's the play here. So what does this mean for Kemper? Is, is this anything for Frankie? Like it, the next 15 minutes we're scrambling, trying to figure out like what's going on. It, are we relying on Georgiev to be the starter from here on out? But I feel like it's that way with most Sackic trades, isn't it? Like the ones you don't see coming where it's just like, what, what is going on here? This doesn't make a ton of sense. Then you think about it for more than two seconds. You're like, oh, wait, this actually makes a ton of sense. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. And then more reports come out that Kemper's looking for something similar to what Grubauer got last year. And that's just not a smart business decision. And for the that, ask. that is a deal breaker. That's a deal breaker. And before we go any farther on this podcast, it's going to sound like we're moving on from Darcy Kemper too fast. I, I want it to be no, like Darcy Kemper is a good goaltender. He won us a Stanley cup and he's going to go get his bag. And I completely respect his decision because he's make that money, but strictly from the abs perspective, once again, Joe Sackick makes the best business decision you can make. And that's not signing a goaltender to a six year contract because it will blow up in your face. Right. Especially a goalie that's on the wrong side of 30 and had questions after the playoffs and everything. It, it's going to suck to see him go wherever he goes, whether it's Edmonton or Toronto, which has started to get rumored after his announced he's testing the open market. I love Darcy Kemper. I'm going to miss him immensely. You do not give six years to goalies who are not bona fide superstars. You just don't. It is a bad business decision. It worked out great not signing Grubauer last year and letting Seattle do that instead. Why would we then go back and make that same mistake with a different goalie if he wants six years? The reason me and you talked about they're going to bring back Kemper for three, maybe four years is because that fit with the timeline and everything. Six years does nothing of the sort. That does not help us at all. And it's like you just said, you're not getting an Andre Vasilevsky or an Igor Shosturkin. And those are the two goalies on the face of this earth who deserve long-term contracts. I mean, look at the six-year contracts that have been handed out recently, and they're all aging terribly. I mean, you got Gruby last year, and he was, what, an 898 this year? He like, was the worst goalie, starting goalie in the league last year. Yeah. That's really not in question. Yeah, he is truly – like, that's going to age poorly for Seattle. You look at Matt Murray with Ottawa. They tried to trade him today, and <laughs> he denied it. Uh, John Gibson, he signed that big contract. It's not looking good for him. I mean, the list goes on and on of these goalies. You've signed the long-term deals. It I'm just yeah. Martin Jones signed a six-year one as well. Yeah. yeah. Like it's just, it doesn't work out. It it's was, it was, a, it was a six-year contract. I mean, six years for goalies just feels like a kiss of death. It is. It is. And I'm glad that Darcy Kemper will go get his money. Um, he deserves it. At the end of the day, Darcy Kemper deserves to go get his money. I love Darcy Kemper, but I would prefer to love that contract from a distance. Yeah. And I think it will make it even better now that we can just cheer for him on the side and not have to worry about paying him that much money. I mean, it's just, it's again, a smart business decision and you take all the emotions out of it and you sit back and you actually take a look at it and you go, okay, you're getting a guy in Georgiev who was not great last year with the Rangers, but the Rangers were not by any stretch. Yeah. The Rangers were one of the worst analytic teams in recent memory, and they went very far. And that was thanks to Igor Shosturkin. Um, adding Georgiev to the Avs, a much better defensive unit. Um, I don't think he's going to be an all-star level, level goalie, but the Avs just proved 
they can win a Stanley Cup with average goaltending. They don't need I'd, to have. I'd a say below goal. average goaltending. Yeah. Like they they don't need it. They don't need a Andre Vasilevsky, although it would be nice, but you don't need it. So why not get a guy who has potential to be as good as Darcy Kemper was last year? It may be a little bit below. And you add him in with uh, Pavel Francouz. I mean, you have a good 1A, 1B. I don't think either of them is going to be a number one goaltender, but you have goaltenders who are going to get you through the season. Frankie's what, 30? He's like 32? Around that. Yeah, Frankie's a little bit older. Georgiev's 26. 26. 26. So you get and a the, younger And the goal. thing with goalies is, is, like, that sounds pretty old. 25 is usually when goalies start to get into the league and start to get minutes, the good ones at least. For Georgiev, he's already played for a little while at this point. He's been around since 2017, which was his best season, his first season. He was a 918. And his his stats have slowly gone down each time. But when you look more into it, he's been behind Igor the entire time. He clearly was not happy all last year. He's been on the trade block forever. And the Rangers are a horrible defensive team and is incredible that Igor Shosturkin is as good as he is. Because And they better take care of him because his body is going to fall apart at some point with the amount of shots he faces. And Georgiev has upside. That's mainly what they're hoping for here is that they can bring him into their system, get their hands on him. The Avalanche have a great goaltending staff and work with him, get him behind that abs defense and see what they can get out of him. I think the biggest misconception, like right after this deal is that Georgiev is going to take over Kemper's spot. That's not going to happen. This is just as much of a bet on Pavel Francouz as it is on Georgiev. I imagine Frankie's probably going to start the season. We'll see where Georgiev fits into the season after a little while, how he meshes with the team and the system and everything. I wouldn't be stunned by the end of the season if we're talking like maybe Frankie plays three more games than Georgiev or vice versa. It really just is going to, especially going into the playoffs, it's just going to depend on who has the hot hand. Agreed. And it's going to be interesting to see how they handle it. Um, but yeah, I mean, Frankie, like he was six and zero in these playoffs. He, he wasn't particularly great, but he did his job. Uh, he won us some big games, and he has just great. He swept Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, I mean, Pavel Francouz was everything you need him to be in those playoffs, and he led you to a six and zero record. So I agree. I think it's more of a bet on Frankie. Uh, the biggest question with Frankie, obviously, is can he stay healthy? Can he handle playing that many games? Because I think he's probably only played max 30 games in the NHL in one season. That may be a stretch too. Um, Cause that first year he backed up Grubauer. I can't remember how many games he played. 34. 34. Yeah. In 1920, he played 34 games. And this last season he missed two months and played 21 games and seven in the playoffs. Yeah. And we all know how that 1920 season ended with him destroying his hip. Um, but now you have Georgiev, you have two NHL caliber goalies. Um, the timeline still lines up with Eustace Annan getting his um, development in with the Colorado Eagles. And maybe in three years, we're talking about Eustace Annan coming and taking over the net, which I think is Joe Sackick's big plan. Um, Cause I mean, Annan, I can't remember. I know he won goalie of the month one year in the AHL. I don't know if he won goalie of the year, but I know he won goalie of the month one month. So the potential's there with Eustace Annan. Um, 
the key is just not being able to rush him. And by securing Georgiev and Frankie for at least two years, he's not going to be rushed into the league without injuries or COVID happening. Right. And Frankie is $2 million for this season and next. Georgiev is a restricted free agent with arbitration rights. On his last contract, he made 2.425. The highest he's getting on this contract is three. And even then, I think that might even be a little much for a goalie who was sub 900 last season. So instead of paying Darcy Kemper six, you're talking about paying both of your goalies a combined four and a half, five million dollars instead. Yeah, I mean, that just works way better for what this team is trying to do, which is trying to bring back as much of the core as possible. And let's be real, they value their defense immensely. And like I've said, they trust their defense to defend in front of whatever goalie they put in net. So it really doesn't make any sense to sink a ton of money for a ton of years into a goalie. And there is the potential with Georgiev to unlock something still in him. We, it, let's make no mistake, this is still a risk on Georgiev. This could be a thing where it blows up in your face and he's just okay. But the thing with this is, if he is just okay and not what you need, he's an RFA right now. You can very easily move him at the trade deadline, at the end of next season. It's not going to be impossible to get out from under him if this doesn't work out as planned. If it does work and Georgiev proves himself to be a solution for the future as well, guess what? 26 years old can get a brand new contract and does not have the pressure of unrestricted free agency next season. This also has the potential to be a longer term solution. Like if it does work, we could be talking in four years of a tandem of Georgiev and Ananen. It's a, it's a very long-term thinking move, but also one that does not lock you into anything right now. I completely agree. I mean, you look at past Stanley cup champions. I mean, the, the Blackhawks traded Niemi like right after they won the cup, right? If I'm remembering right. I believe so. Yeah. And then they I thought about Corey, that trade in a while, but yeah. And they brought in Corey Crawford who won them two more. Um, Penguins moved on from Flurry and got Murray. And then they moved on from Murray too. Like it's just, there's very few goaltenders who stay with one team for a long time. I mean, Vasilevsky is going to stay there forever. And I would imagine Sturk and Chase stays in New York forever, but, who else are the top flight goalies are, are you like building around right now? I mean, Carey Price is old. Right. Uh, and it's, it's my favorite expression. Goaltending is bullshit. It's made up. Yep. It changes year over year. It changes game over game. It changes period by period. It's all made up. Kemper could next season continue what he was in the regular season for the abs and be outstanding, or it could be another Grubauer, or it could be another Martin Jones kind of situation. You literally never know. Georgiev might just be okay. He might also be great. Goaltending, it, it changes so quickly. And it's, the, it, what's, it's what makes this sport so impossible to predict sometimes. And so I really feel like this checks a lot of boxes for what the Avs are trying to do at goaltending, which is not overpay, not lock themselves into anything that's going to screw them over long-term. And some potential and also something that they can, they know they can defend in front of. You know, as Avs fans, we should be thankful. We could be a lot like the Oilers because the Oilers kind of take this strategy too. Oh, they they do it, but they do it. Then they can't defend. Yeah. They do it poorly. 
So the apps, wow, that is a loud car. I don't know if you heard that. Um, but the abs have that potential where they can, they can play in front of any goal terror. I mean, look at the Kemper finished top 10 in Besna voting. I don't know if he was top five, but he finished top 10, right? I've, if I'm remembering, I think he was seventh. Yeah. So he finished top 10. Gruby finished top three. So two goalies and yeah, two. Gruby, Gruby was a finalist for the Vesna yeah. two seasons ago. And the next year goes somewhere else and is statistically the worst starting goalie in the league. The data is kind of there. So it, are the abs going to make Georgiev or Frankie a top 10 goalie in the league? No, I don't think so. Cause they won't play that many games, but I think they have a chance to be top 15 goalies. I don't think that's ludicrous. To I don't say. think I, you just need league average in yeah. front of this team. And also I think it's important to just manage expectations with the goaltending and don't expect Georgiev to just be a superstar or anything. And we know what Frankie is at this point as well. And I also think this plays into his strengths as well, because you're not sitting him behind Kemper for 75% of the season and you're allowing him to get into a rhythm and you're giving Georgiev what he wants too, which should not be underrated. He was not happy in New York. He's going to be happy here and getting the role that he wants and probably deserves as well. So you're going to have both goalies in a rhythm at all times. Are they going to be perfect all the time? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But once Georgiev acclimates to the system and everything, I think there can be something here with that. Superstar level? No. Good? I hope so. And that's all you need to win a cup is good. Yeah. I mean, we, we could win the cup again next season and have one of these guys be a 907 in the playoffs, and that would statistically be better than what we got this year. Yeah. That's <laughs> crazy to say, but it, it, it's the truth. I mean, and Georgiev played two playoff games for the Rangers this year. When they got lit up in Pittsburgh, he posted a 9.35 when Shesterkin got pulled. And granted, a lot of that is score effects, but he did do his job pretty well when called upon. And also, kind of buried underneath that 8.98 in save percentage, his late season run was actually pretty excellent. I, I think it was his last five games, he was a 9.35. He posted a couple shutouts as well. There is something here with Georgiev. It's just the question is, can the Avs be the team that really unlocks that and turns it into, at very least, a fringe starter kind of consistency? Yeah, and I I trust the Avs. I mean, from all I've heard, I have no like knowledge of the goalies, but I've heard that the Avs goaltending coach is pretty damn good. Um, one of the one of the best in the league. Yeah. So. I trust him to fill in uh, UC Perkilla. Yeah. That, that sounds like, God, I just butchered that name. Yeah, UC Perkilla, I think was the first Finnish coach to win a Stanley cup. Yeah. So he's look what he's done with Kemper and look what he's done with Frankie and look what he's done with uh, shit. You remember what he did with Michael Hutchinson? Michael Hutchinson yeah. was a viable player for the abs. I mean, so, what, what he did with Philip Grubauer, I really don't think should be understated. Grubauer, let's be fair, was always a good goalie. He had some excellent goalie coaches in his life, especially with Washington as well under the Barry Trot system. I'm totally blanking on the, the goalie yeah, coach's name, who is the best in the show. He's with the Islanders now. I should know it, but doesn't matter. Comes to the Avs, gets the starting goalie role, and was able to embrace it while he was in Colorado. And Kemper was able to work his way into that system as well. I mean, Michael Hutchinson as well was able... And also... We forgot about this guy. Joe's Johansson, when he's not in Colorado, has been awful. Yeah. In Colorado, he's been passable. And I think there is still something to be said about that, too.
That's itchy, by the way, squeaking yeah, her toy. Nice She's very happy about this trade. Yeah, she loved that point you made right there. Um, also, to get totally off topic, did you just see in the draft that the Jets drafted a guy named Rutger? What a fucking I, sick name, man. That's a pretty awesome name. This draft Rutger, has been pretty wild. Yeah, Rutger Maguni. I think it was yeah. his name. We are recording in the middle of the draft right now. The Sabres are about to pick. We can talk about some of that crazy stuff at the very end here. But I had to say, what a fucking name. That's a hockey name if I've ever heard one. So um, back to this. Obviously, like you said, this trade, if you sign your gift to max three, you're talking about saving $3 million on the cap. Right. And you're talking about spend. If it is three, it's, it's probably going to be less. But just for the sake of conversation, assume it's $3 million. You're spending $5 million on your tandem. When you have a defense this good that did an excellent job against Edmonton and against Tampa at shutting down when they need to, you don't need to spend any more than that. And that frees up more money. And you talked off air. Uh, this makes Val from 99 to 100%. Yeah, the, Val is coming back. If it, was, if it was 99% he was coming back, it is 100% now. Because now he's the full priority. Yeah, and the one part where I could look smart on my mock armchair GM yesterday, I I think this money can be used towards Berkey too. Like I, I, agree. I really, I really think Berkey could be coming back. Um, we talked about this yesterday with Nazem Kadri. If he wants eight to ten million, good, he deserves it. He's not going to get it with the Avs. I just, think, I think if that's the route Kadri is going down, we're just going to see the same philosophy from Sakic and crew here that they just employed with Kemper. Kadri is unfortunately on the wrong side of 30, had an unbelievable season, but has never had a season like that in his career, is going to ask for a lot of term and a lot of money. The team is not going to risk handicapping themselves for something like that, unfortunately, because we all love Nazem Kadri. This does open a door for a team-friendly deal and... If Kadri is willing to do that and take less money to stay here, that's the only way it's going to work, even with this saved money. The only way. And we're talking team-friendly as maybe low-end 6.5. There's a 0% chance he does that. Zero. Yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. He took a team-friendly contract with the Leafs, this current contract that just expired. It doesn't make any sense for him to take another team-friendly contract, especially when he just got the blessing of a lifetime where he would have hit a hundred points if he did not get injured at the end of the season and also had an incredible playoffs. This is his time to make some goddamn dough. It just doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. But I, I agree with you. Val's hundred percent coming back. Leckie's we already knew was coming back. I really think Berkey's going to be back now. I, unless we're missing something, which is very likely that Joe Sackick has something up his sleeves that we have no idea about that's going on. I think it increases the chance for Berkey to come back if that's what they want. I don't know if I'm higher than 50% still. Yeah, I'm still like at that 60 range, 60% chance that he comes back. I think this does – we've started to see it a little bit today. There's been some conversations with Manson. Which is someone we didn't – we had already accounted was gone. Yeah, I thought more than anything, he was gone. Now they're starting to talk. We'll see over the next couple of days if that goes anywhere. Clearly, both sides want to work something out. But like anyone else, if Manson wants to stay, you're probably going to have to take a little less. Oh, they're about to announce general manager of the year right now. 
This could very well apply to us. We will pause and be right back. Hey, everybody. Hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. Interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right, make your first bet up to $1,000, and if you don't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Even though hockey's over, there is still plenty to bet on at DraftKings Sportsbook, and best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, make your first deposit, and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Now, back to the episode. If it is not Joe Sackick, and it is Joe Sackick, general manager of the year, has to have been the easiest vote of all yeah. time. I don't know who else it would have been at that point. Very clearly deserves it. Very clearly built the best team in hockey. And very clearly the best general manager in hockey. It's it's honestly a shame this is his first one. That's who deserved to win it, and I'm so glad he got to win it. Yeah, I, there's honestly, I thought we'd have more to say about this, but like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> Very yeah. easy choice. He should have won it the last two years. He too. What a birthday present for him. Yeah. What a birthday He's, present. I mean, what a birthday. It's been, I forgot it was his birthday. What a yeah. birthday it's been for Joe Sack. It pulls off that trade, has no work to do on draft day, <laughs> and wins GM of the year. I'm wondering why they had the Avs brass there. I, I'm literally, <laughs> they're showing their table on TV right now. I'm literally wondering, why are any of you here? <laughs> you don't pick until the sixth round. You can you can literally go out for breakfast tomorrow and show up during the fifth round. You'll have missed nothing. <laughs> Why are they there? What a waste of time. I mean, like, just like he had must, to have known that he was going to win or else he probably wouldn't have been there. I think you have to be there no matter what, but that's a boring answer. So. Oh, that's so awesome, dude. Like what, what a year for awards. We, we knew that Kale McCarr should have won the Norse. We knew that Joe Sackick should have won GM of the year. And they, did, they actually won it. I, I think we both were expecting them, him to lose. Like, yeah, well, they gave it to Lou two years in a row. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I'm i shocked that he actually won it, but good. It was rightfully deserved. Um, and happy birthday to Joe Sackick, our fucking king. Um, and Joe, we trust. Yeah, and I will say this as well. GM of the year is the stupidest award in the league, the Stanley oh, yeah. Cup. The Stanley Cup determines who is the best general manager in the NHL, but lucky for Joe Sackick, he won both. He so won both. Matter. So, I mean, hell of an award. I'm going to take it. To add it to our trophy case, man. What a year. Uh, a Norris, a Conn Smythe, a Stanley Cup, GM of the year. It's a shame Jared Bednar didn't win Jack Adams, but uh, – He will next year. No, he won't. No, he won't. No, he won't. Yeah, let's be honest. Because we're, we're expected to be good. We're going to be good. Uh, fucking Dallas will win it. Yeah. Who is Is that uh, fucking Pete DeBoer now? Yeah, Pete. Oh, he'll win. Like, Dallas will make the playoffs by two points. 
you turn the team around. They really it, like it, if they, a team like Ottawa or Buffalo makes the playoffs, then they already win it. So it doesn't yeah. matter. It, do, it doesn't actually matter who the best coach is. It's just, oh, you're better than we thought. Yeah, you, you surpassed our expectations of you. So yeah. it's like, oh, oh, Calgary won their division instead of squeaking into the playoffs. Clearly, Daryl Sutter is the best coach. Of this yeah, season. and he'll be fired with it. Well, and he also, his interviews were just so funny, Christian. Yeah. They're always just so funny. That's got to get you some votes. Yeah. God forbid you vote for Bednar or John Cooper or Mike Sullivan, who are very clearly the top three. But Yeah. Nah, man. Barry Trotz, bro. But, I mean, where were we even going before we got interrupted by the GM? What that was a fantastic question. I think we were talking about Berkey? Yeah, we were talking about this opens the door for people to come back. We are talking about Manson. That's what we were yeah. doing. Yeah, yeah. Josh Manson. Um, it would make sense for Josh Manson to come back. You would lock in your six D-men, which is very good. Don't get me wrong. Having six defensemen that are capable NHL defensemen is good. I just don't know what he's going to want. Like what, what is his, what I haven't seen anything about the AAB he's looking for term. Like I just have no idea. Yeah. I mean, I just imagine it's going to be pretty rich for a sixth defenseman. Yeah. Cause that's, that's what he'd be in this. You can argue fifth. You might argue, argue EJ sixth at that point, but I mean, EJ's making six. So <laughs> is EJ going to be ready for next season? Uh, probably not to be real here. He's partying his face off with good. He deserves to. But uh, I, I agree. Like, I just – I like Josh Manson. I thought he added a lot to this team. He was probably last on my list of people I wanted to bring back. Wanted to bring back or thought you should bring back? Thought you should bring back. Yeah. I, I think that's like – obviously, I'd want him back, but I did not think that we were going to bring him back because – I, I still don't think we do, honestly. Like, yeah. they can have conversations all the live long day, but unless he's willing to take a friendly contract, it's just not going to work. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, I'm just, I, there's not really any other defenseman out there other than Brett Kulak. Um, well, it's also the thing like we identify Kulak or all these guys. Yeah. I'm sure Joe Sackick has someone in mind that we're not. The thing was like, before we shot last episode, I thought about Georgiev. He's like, he's, he's a perennially a guy on the trademark. It was like, well, what if the Avs got him? My thought was, well, he's not really a starter. Maybe that's not what we need. Shows why I'm not a general manager, because I was not <laughs> thinking about Frankie at that point, thinking about, okay, we need a starter. But now that we've actually done it, and the pri- we haven't even talked about the price because it literally does not matter. The third, third round pick this year, fifth round pick this year, and a fifth, or is it a third next year? Third next year. Third next year. Just uh, second movie said, of, fuck yeah. them picks, bro. Words right, out of my, words right out of my mouth. They do not care about draft picks right now. It's like we're saying, why are they even here? They're not like the day two of the draft's not till 11 a.m. for me at least, 9 a.m. for you tomorrow. They're not going to pick until like four o'clock. Yeah. They can they show up drunk and like they can just point at a name on the scouting board and they, they'll have as good a shot as anyone of that turning into an NHL player. Yeah, so I wouldn't be shocked if he if he trades both of those too. Like, would you be shocked? Like, not at all. Be, could they be the first Stanley Cup champion to trade all of their draft picks the following? I think they has a team traded all of their draft picks before. Oh, I'm sure some stupid team has, but not led by Joe Sackick and Chris McFarland. Ken Holland got fourth in GM of the year. <laughs> no fucking way. Who? Who are the three people that voted Ken Holland 
as the best general manager this year, I want names. Did you Holy see they, shit. Did you see the quote they put out about how Ken Holland's son, people were trying to get him. So that's why they. Oh yeah. They promoted him. <laughs> no, it's not. No hockey doesn't have a problem with nepotism. What are you yeah. talking about? I, this is. So I'm for context, but my freak out is about Chris Johnson just tweeted the final voting tally for GM of the year. Sackett got 16 first place votes. He got 109 points. Breezeball got 12. So it's a little closer race than we thought. 109 points to 87. Chris Drury got four. Yeah. Uh, okay. Ken Holland got three first place votes, seven second place votes, and five third place votes. He got fourth with 41 points. Who's fifth? Fifth is Bill Zito, President's Trophy winner. Six is Bill Guerin. <laughs> what the hell is What is this list? a very random list it's just like jack adams award so david boyle got a third place vote like interesting do you see this guy who just got drafted for the predators he has a glitter on his suit it's a sparkly has a very sparkly suit king kemmel for nashville speaking of nashville uh this is one of the most unbelievable award votings i have ever seen in my life oh the dad wearing i'm sorry to completely derail this podcast with this but I am I am in genuine shock that Ken Holland got fourth place, and they're serious. Like that's not a joke. I'm not shocked by anything. You, you, you preface this, general you preface this by saying that Lou Lamorello won back to back years. He won back to back years. Chris Drury. What did Chris Drury do? He traded Pavel Buchnevich and inherited a team that had Igor Shostakin on it. And, and he Sammy got third. Blake. You know who I, I looked at that in my armchair GM? I was like, Sammy Blade, if, if you could get him at the right price, he may not be a bad pickup. The Rangers are going to double down on that because he missed yeah. like no, the, they have to. They missed the he missed the entire season with injuries, so they're going to just write it off. And they're like, oh, we'll, we'll give him a chance next year and then quietly try to sweep him under the rug yeah. or something and act like they didn't trade Bushnevich for him. But apparently that's good enough for third place. Yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised. I mean, he had a good, um, he had a good trade deadline. He got Andrew Kopp. And Justin Braun, man. Don't forget about Justin Braun. Oh, yeah. Justin Braun, healthy scratch in the playoffs. Frank Vetrano. Frank Vetrano. That was a pretty good pickup, too. Yes, yeah, yeah. so you got two good guys at the deadline. Yeah. Third best general manager in hockey. Makes sense. I mean, we talked about this yesterday, too, with um, the possibility of Andrew Kopp. I mean, that's where also that extra money could go, too, is maybe. That's what I mean. Kopp. Like it, saving that $3 million, potentially $3.5 million opens the door for a ton of stuff. It opens the door for second line center, which is still the most interesting spot here. Do they, I don't think they trust new hook with that spot right away. Maybe they do. If that does, that opens money for Manson and Berkey and stuff like that. And I'm sorry. I'm just still so absolutely caught. <laughs> Ken Holland got fourth place. He traded for Duncan Keith for no salary retained and gave up assets for it while Ryan McDonough was just traded to Nashville for free. I'm sorry. I'll get back on topic now, but that like, that's the second flashbang I've been hit with today. (laughs) Oh my God. What was I even just saying? Uh, The money extra 3 million. Yeah. Extra $3 million. Yeah, I mean, I I really feel like this checks a lot of boxes for what the Avs want to do in net. You know, it's not the best tandem in the NHL, not by any metric, 
but it's good enough for what they want to do right now. And it does have the potential to be very good. It also has the potential to not be great. Our face. But, but so does everything. Frankie yeah. could get hurt and be out for the season. And Georgiev all of a sudden could be saddled with the entire Stanley Cup hopes of this team. And then we're trading our first at the deadline for another goalie. Not going to be Marc-Andre Fleury because the Wild re-upped him for two years. I'm never talking about trading for or acquiring Marc-Andre Fleury ever again. It's over. Goodbye. So anyone else who could be available at the deadline, if this doesn't work, yeah, it could go poorly as well. We're not going to find out how that is until three months from now when the season starts. And even then, we're not going to find out until then. Yeah. I like mean, well into the season. I just, I feel good about it, man. Like yeah, I said, you do. I, this feels like a solid piece of work from Sackick and crew. Yeah. I, I, I thought like in the moment I was kind of pissed, but then you look, step back and look at it and you go, yeah, that's, that's just another. Yeah, I, I wasn't pissed. I was just like, what? Yeah. I really, I, I mean, fucking, have you seen the Toronto fans freaking out about Dubas not trading for him? I did not know. Yeah. It's Toronto. They freak out about everything. They freaked out about flurry because they're the center of the universe. Yeah. They're going to get Darcy Kemper now. And that's going to be sad to have to cheer against Darcy. Well, it's going to, it's going to be sad watching Darcy Kemper play in Toronto because it is not the avalanche's defense. So there's no, there's no Kale McCarr in Toronto, my friend. There's Whoa, nothing. Else the Sandine, dude. He's oh, be just well, apparently, well, he might not be back either. Yeah, we're talking about him good. getting offer sheeted. Oh, it's just crazy, dude. I don't know if you saw that too. I, I saw something that Ottinger may get from Dallas, may get offer sheeted. What I saw is teams are going to discuss it. I mean, every off season people talk about guys getting offer sheeted and shit like that. The guy has to actually sign it. Yeah. And Cockney Emmy was such a once in a blue moon kind of thing. True. But and da- Dallas would match anything. anything oh, they have it. to. Yeah. Like who, uh, like who do they have after that? Hope, Nobody. Hope he's gone. Bishop yeah. retired. Look, talk about bad goaltender signings. Fucking when they signed, uh, why am I blanking on his name? He, beat, he had that magical playoff bubble for the stars. Oh my God. Why can't I remember his Hobby name? Hobby Bullen? No. No. Uh, filibuster. I have to find out. Hudobin. Yeah, no. Hudobin. Yeah. Hudobin. Yeah. They signed him to what three or four years, and he's in the AHL. Yeah, and he never played well again. That was the that was literally his last hurrah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they signed played, him. Played well in the bubble, and then okay, cap friendly. There's just no stats for him, so I I can't tell you anything. But this season, he played nine games. He was an eight seventy nine. Yeah, and then you got put on waivers, and no one picked him up. Yeah. So. Don't sign goalies over 30. Yeah. So um, I'm excited, man. I did not anticipate doing an episode today. I uh, didn't either. Like I, I was half right when I said I expect a solution on Darcy Kemper on draft day. Well, we got one. It's not the one I was thinking of. But... Not the one, you, not one we were thinking. Um, I think a lot more like dominoes are going to start falling for the abs now that this is figured out. I wouldn't be shocked if we're talking tomorrow morning we wake up and Val's done. Um, yeah, so then, I think once, I think especially once the draft is over, we're really going to start yeah. to see stuff fall into place. Val is very clearly next order of business. Uh, I think on July 14th, McKinnon's going to get his extension. Yep. They're going to work on that pretty soon. We're going to find out about that. Probably it might even be the day of free agency as yeah. well, because that's also their biggest priority is just to get that done as soon as they can. And I'm going to just preface this. There's a 99.99% chance that that deal is done. Oh, it's going to get done. That's yeah. not a question. McKinnon, McKinnon doesn't want that hanging over his head, and the team doesn't want to 
deal with that this season. And now that we won the, I think if we didn't win the cup, maybe we're talking that he plays out the year and sees how it goes, but we won a cup now. So he, he's coming I, back. I think no, I think we could have missed the playoffs and he would have gotten extended no matter what. Really? Yeah. You do not fuck around with that with Nathan McKinnon. I know. I'm not saying the abs don't fuck around. I think McKinnon would have. I don't think so. We'll see. But now that we want cup, it's irrelevant. He's, right. he's it doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. We're talking about a fantasy made up scenario. Yeah. We want there is one more. There's there very clear. There, we're very clearly going to at least come very close to winning another. And he knows that. So there yeah. is a non-zero percent chance yeah. that this does not get done. I'd say within the first week of free agency. Yeah. It, it'll be announced very quickly. Um, how sick would it be if he took another contract for 6 million? <laughs> I, the league would just burst in the flames. That'd be so sick if he, he's not going to. But not, not at all. He, he is 12 is team friendly. Yeah. I mean, we can talk about, there was one more thing I want to talk about before we close the episode. The fact that the Penguins just signed Chris Letang till he was 41 is absolutely ludicrous. See, I thought that too, but it's a very front loaded contract. The Penguins are not going to be good in six years anyway. They know that. And so four years from now, when there's two years left on that deal and Latang can't move anymore, they're just going to buy him out. It's not going to cost anything. It's just, it's a, it's a long contract. He's going to be there till he's 41, but he'll crazy. retire. He'll retire a penguin and the team's going to suck at that point anyway. So who cares? Yeah. It's, I just, I saw that and I was like, Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. As a contract for a 35 yeah. year old. Well, and like they'll put him on LTIR or something. He'll get the Marion Hosa treatment where he's like allergic to his jersey all of a sudden. Yeah. The, the same way Hosa was just like, oh, I can't play anymore. The the jersey makes me itch. And yeah, so the I, yeah, I retire. Like yeah. not, I don't actually retire, so there's no cap penalty. They'll pull that kind of it's the penguins, they'll figure it out. Figure, I just thought that was shocking. But the <laughs> seems like every day of getting Malkin might not be coming back there. I think that like I'm gonna we're gonna get totally faked out and it'll just be all those rumors that he's gonna leave and then day of free agency he'll he'll sign. I agree, but it's just I never thought we would make it this far. I'm not shocked. I'm not shocked at all. But there is one another big thing we gotta talk about. The Chicago Blackhawks are going full on tank mode. Um, and they're doing they, it wrong. Yeah, they they traded instead of the aging veterans who like let's be real, Jonathan Taves, scumbag human just as bad of a hockey player these past couple of years pretty much yeah like he's not worth 10 and a half million and patrick kane who's still good not great defensively but he can or roll a good out of bed. person yeah and he can roll out of bed and get 80 points they did not trade those guys right. instead they traded the two young pieces that you could build around in alex to and kirby doc i just don't understand this to thing like at all why they felt like they needed to do this. Yeah, I don't get the rush. I don't either. Like if you're going to trade to Brinkett, you hold out until you get the package you feel is worthy of him. Look at what Sackett did with Duchesne. Exactly. The next words out of my mouth were going to be Matt Duchesne, a player significantly older and worse than DeBrinket was. And look at the package he got for that. The Blackhawks got the seventh overall pick the 39th, 38th overall pick, and a third next year for their two-time 40-goal scorer, who is 24. And they picked a pretty good defenseman with that pick, I will say. He was probably one of the more higher-touted defensemen of the draft. Not terrible. But why why did we do this? Makes no sense, dude. It's a it trade that no they're going to regret. DeBrinket's yeah. going to kill it in Ottawa. 
And who knows if he'll stay there. That was the big thing. It's like, oh, he's going to get $9 million on his qualifying offer. Yeah, no shit, because he's a good player. You have to pay good players. You know how you could have afforded that? You don't make the Seth Jones trade, which to me at least is one of the worst moves of the past decade. They gave up two first-round picks and Adam Boquist, turned into Cole Sillinger, obviously Adam Boquist, and I forget the name of the guy Columbus picked today, but one of the higher-touted defensemen of the draft as well. And they immediately didn't even, he didn't even play a game in Chicago. Probably didn't even, wasn't even there for a day. They sign him to an eight-year, $9.5 million extension that kicks in, oh, now. So they still have eight years left of Seth Jones at that money, and they are going to be tearing this team down to shreds for the next five years. That's how you could have afforded to bring it. It is such an awful move that made no sense at the time, is worse in hindsight, and significantly worse when you look at their future. Yeah, so... Yeah, I mean, the Blackhawks are going to suck next year, which just means the Avs are going to lose to them opening night. For sure. It, it, guaranteed, write it down. Um, so, I mean, you're talking about two teams in the Central now who are going to clearly be rebuilding in Arizona and Chicago. Who knows what the fuck Winnipeg's going to be? Like, you don't know what Winnipeg – They could move – There's they such a will-they-won't-they they team. Yeah. Like, Dallas, we, we, we kind of know what they are. They're the most average team of all time. Um and then you've got Colorado, St. Louis, and Minnesota, who are very clearly the top three. I don't think Minnesota is as entrenched in that category anymore. I still think they're better than Nashville. I, I think they're better than Nashville. Are they better than Dallas? Maybe a little bit. I think they are. I think I think they are, too. I mean, Dallas doesn't have Kaprizov, but Minnesota has no cap space right now, and they just signed Flurry, and they need to make their team better. They signed Kyle Middleton too, dude. They re-signed him. Yeah, Jacob Middleton. Like, okay. Oh, Kyle Middleton. That's the ass. That? No, yeah. <laughs> Jacob Middleton. Like, okay, he's fine. You lo- you won two games in the playoffs this year, and you're going to run it back without Fiala. I'm not scared of you. No one is. No, I mean, the Blues are still going to be good. Who knows if Jordan Bennington can get back to the form he was. Right? We'll have to see. But, I mean, this is shaping up to be another year where the Avs should just run away with this division. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, we are very clearly ahead of everyone here. Yeah. Like even if Georgiev stinks, it really doesn't matter. Yeah. Like the West, granted, free agency hasn't happened. Have any teams gotten significantly better in the West? And I mean, even when free agency comes to pass, really, what could any of those teams do that would make you go, oh, that's a problem? Yeah. There's no player out there in this free agency class. Like the the Blues, they're talking about trading Tarasenko because he has not rescinded his trade request, which is a, it's such a fascinating situation to me that just doesn't get talked about. The Blues are a good team that were in the second round this year, and Tarasenko is really good with them. Still does not want to be there. Yeah, I'm shocked that does not get talked about more. So we'll see how they manage to swing that, if they can get any leverage in a deal like that. I've seen that. Krug was talked about a little bit in trade rumors. Like, that's what I mean. Our biggest threat in the West is what? Edmonton? Vegas. Vegas, but they're a wild card right now. We don't know what they're going to be. They're going to be better, but but they're another year older, and it's not like they got any younger. Right. That's what I mean. Like, they they could be a threat. They could also just be okay. Yeah, because we still know what's going on with Robin Leonard. And But you can say that about Edmonton, too. Yeah. Like, if they get Darcy Kemper and he's good, 
Yeah, I'd say that puts them second in the West in terms of threat level because they also have McDavid and Dreisaitl. And if they're able to have a good offseason, yeah, I'd be willing to put them in threat category. Who else? Yeah, the West is still wide open. And by wide open, I mean the Avs are going I mean, then look at the East, too. This is the Avs League right now, guys. Until someone takes it from us, this is our league. Yeah. I mean, Tampa Bay just lost, and they're still the favorite in the East. Right. They, and so, they already lost McDonough. Yeah. So that was a lot longer episode than I thought it was going to be for an emergency episode. Um, but what a, what a time to be alive. Trust Joe Sackick and we'll be fine. Yep. So we'll see if there's another one. He's coming out pretty soon. I'd like to say there isn't, but who knows, man, Joe Sackick, you literally never know if, if it's Val coming back or Berkey or Manson or anyone, those guys resigning. I think only Nas qualifies as emergency yeah. pod material. Other than that, Unless there's a like a, tr- a trading for a fourth liner is not an emergency pod. I don't imagine there's another one, but we'll see where that goes. I trust the Avs goaltending and I trust Joe Sackick that they've made the right stuff. I want to wrap this up for the Caps pick. So thank you all so very much for tuning in to another episode of the Tell It Abs This podcast. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at G Young's NHL. You can follow Christian at Christian underscore belay. And you can follow the show at Teledabs. It is use promo code Teledabs is on SeatGeek for $20 off your first order of $50 or more. But again, thank you so very much for tuning in and we will catch you all next time. When's next time? Couldn't tell you, but we'll be here. We'll be here. We'll figure it all out. We'll recap everything and we will catch you all then. But until next time, let's go abs.